So we're in our God in Hollywood series, so this is fun. So we're going to be preaching uh, around, we're going to be showing movie clips and preaching the gospel through these movies. And Hollywood doesn't realize they're doing it, but they preach the gospel when they make these movies a lot of times. And so I want to kind of, by a show of hands, I want to find out how many of you, I kind of chose a movie that probably wasn't very popular, so I could basically preach whatever I want and you wouldn't know, but... I wanna, I wanna know who actually has seen The Odd Life of Timothy Green. Lift your hands. And we have five, <laughs> maybe eight. Okay, so I am gonna show the trailer just so you can get a little idea of what I'm gonna be sharing about this morning. We wanted to tell you our story. There's just one thing. You're gonna find it hard to believe. We have explored every medical option. You couldn't have tried harder. Tonight, let's have a kid. You heard what the doctor said. Give it up. Our kid would never give up. Picasso with the pencil. Honest to a fault. Yes. yes. Our kid <laughs> would rock. Now what? We're moving on. Honey! There's something you need to see. Hi. Hi. I'm Timothy. 54 girl names on the list. And one boy. And it was Timothy. There's something you need to know about me. I came from the garden. Where did he come from? It was all very sudden and kind of miraculous. So you all came from your mom's tummies? Yeah. How is that? That's not normal. I decided our son would not be seen as different. He'd be treated like a normal kid. Have Goodbye. a great day. That's too much pressure. Have the day you have. Incredible. This isn't going to work, is it? The secret. Really? I never thought I'd hear that laugh again. This is how I really felt. You know that he's different. Yeah, that's what I like about him. That little guy of yours, he's something special. He's our something unexpected, our little miracle. Beautiful, The Odd Life of Timothy Green. I know, you're all gonna go watch it now. I know. You can watch with your kids too, so it's really great. Uh, so I wanna, they opened up the movie trailer by saying this, we wanna tell you our story, but you're gonna find it hard to believe. So I wanna ask us all this morning, do we live lives that people find it hard to believe? When they, when they look at our lives, like, it seems odd, like, how, 
how are they living with the level of peace they're living in despite the storms that they're facing? Or how are they living in the level of blessing that they're living in despite their income? Or how are they living in a way with such joy despite what's going on in the world around them? Do people find it odd that you are literally a shell of who you used to be because you've allowed your life to be transformed by the love of Jesus and you're no longer recognizable? Do people find it odd? You know, I, I believe that the supernatural, the fairy tale ending is not just for the big screen and for Hollywood. I actually believe that it should be a testament of every believer because our heavenly father is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms so that we can live an extraordinary life, an extraordinary life. So I think as God's kids, we should be able to dream bigger, believe for more, step out in faith, believe for the impossible, the supernatural, the fairy tale ending, because God is our heavenly father. Amen. The title of my message this morning is The Odd Life, The Odd Life. So when people look at our lives, do they find it odd? Like, how, how are they, how did they, how, how did they get that job with that level of education? How did they get that house with that? Didn't they just get diagnosed with cancer? How are they, how is it that I think people should look at our lives and find it odd that we are living under such supernatural blessing and favor. And that supernatural blessing and favor is the mark of heaven on our lives. People should be in awe of how God's kids get to live, amen? amen. So I want to pull some thoughts together from this movie, The Odd Life of Timothy Green, and see what keys that can lead us to a life that people find it hard to put their finger on. How is that possible? And uh, in this movie, I'm going to show another clip in a moment, but um, so the, the beginning of the movie starts with this beautiful couple sitting across from the doctor, and they say these things. They say, you've been trying for years, and you couldn't have tried harder or done more but there comes a point you have to accept. And then the doctor pauses and she says, I'm so sorry. And then they find this couple at that, that night at home deciding if they should dream again for one more night. You can go ahead and play the second clip. A good 12 to 18 inches. So you're I can't do it, I can't move on. You're gonna dig this hole. Then move out of the way. You're gonna take all the dirt out of it. For years. We've been thinking about what our kid would have been like. Don't. We can move on tomorrow. Just for tonight. Can we have a kid? You heard what the doctor said. Give it up. Give it up. There we go. Never give up. Our kid would never give up. You know what else I think? I can't. Our kid would have your good heart. This isn't funny, Jim. But our kid would be funny. Not make fun of other people funny or burp and fart funny. They're funny like... Well, funny like Uncle Bob. Funny? Like Uncle Bob. You know that, uh, 
the kind of kid that, that you always believe. I'm an honest. You want a truth teller? Yeah, I do. I yeah. want one like but that. But our kid can't be perfect. No, I, don't, I don't want one of those annoying okay, perfect How about kids. this? Honest to a fault. Yes. yes. We have a winner. Yes. Would our kid be musical? Definitely. Clarinet like me, drums like you. Uh, I don't know what kind of answer. Just uh, All I know is our kid, <laughs> our kid would rock. Ah, we so agree. Good, right there. Uh, artistically. Picasso with a pencil. Yes, a glass, a full person. Love and be loved. How great an athlete are you picturing? You were terrible at soccer. It's not true. Not true. I was a big klutz. <laughs> All right, how about this? How about this? Just once, our kid, amazing kid, got to score the winning goal. Powerful. So for one more night, the first point of my message is to dream again. Can we just dream again for one more night? You know, and I do, I really felt this morning that God is asking his kids today, will you dream again? Will you dream again? And I want to ask a question. What dreams have we buried and killed that should be alive within our hearts? whether it's big or small. You know, honestly, I do think some dreams should be buried and die, to be honest. Um, the kind of dreams that aren't good for us, the kind of dreams that don't align with the will of God, the kind of dreams that are fueled by unhealthy desires, competition, comparison, and pride, the kind of dreams that God knows won't end up like dreams, but more like nightmares. I do believe there are some dreams that do need to be buried once and for all. But the Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Okay, so delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So God wants to give you the desires of your heart. But I think sometimes we can focus more on the latter part of that verse than the beginning part of that verse. Because when we delight ourselves in the Lord, which means to incline, to, to, to lean in, to... Um, take pleasure in to get close to, I think when we get close to the Lord, 
I think for a moment when we actually are delighting ourselves in him, we kind of forget for a moment all the things we're wishing for and wanting. And we actually can put ourselves aside for a moment and say, God, but what do you want? for my life. But I think because we spend a lot of our time just dreaming and believing and asking for things we want and we've never stopped to ask what God wants for us, which would be good and perfect, like the Bible says, we end up getting things or asking for things that aren't necessarily going to be good for us. So we need to delight ourselves in the Lord first. And remember, I've said this before, but if it is not good, if your dream is not gonna end up being good, God cannot give it to you because the Bible says only good and perfect gifts come from above, James 1, 17. And I think, I was just even thinking this morning, what if we would have, had every dream we ever had come to pass. Like the dreams we dreamed and prayed for when we were like young or dating that first boyfriend or girlfriend. I think the prophet Garth Brooks had it right when he says, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers, right? I thank God for unanswered prayers because I was actually praying to marry someone that I dated for five years before I met Pastor John. So you can imagine, John is the best result of unanswered prayers I have ever had in my whole life. So sometimes we need to thank God for answered prayers and trust that we don't always know what's to come and trust that he is good and that he is for us. You know, I give this advice to a lot of people. So it's not uningenuine. It's just, I think it's good advice. If people are kind of on the fence, like, is this a God dream? It's not, nothing seems to be happening. Is it a God dream or is it a me dream that's gonna end up more like being like a nightmare and they don't know whether they should bury it? I usually tell them this. You cannot lose. You cannot lose if you bury it, kill it, and move forward. You can't lose because if it is a God dream, God has the power to resurrect that dream, and then he will be orchestrating the details, so you can't lose. And let's say, let's say you bury it, you kill it, and you move forward. You heal, you move forward. Well, guess what? If he actually never resurrects it because it's not good for you, you will have moved forward, and God still has a plan that is far above anything you could ever hope for or imagine for your life. So you cannot lose if you bury a dream and allow God to work through that. Amen. Amen. Not every dream is a God dream and not every dream is a good dream. So this is where we have to trust our heavenly father that he has a future and a hope for us. Like he says in Jeremiah 29, 11. But I'm not, I don't want to talk about the kind of dreams that should be buried and stay in the ground. I want to talk about the kind of dreams, the kind of dreams that God has given you, the dreams that God has promised you, the dreams that God has spoken over you, that you have heard him speak to you when you're reading his word, that you've been prophesied over, the dreams that you've had in your heart, even maybe since you've been a little girl or a little boy the dreams he's whispered to you, wired you for. Oh my gosh, he has wired you for those dreams to win in. He's wired you for those things. So I wanna ask, why have we buried those kind of dreams? Why have we buried those? I think there's a few reasons why we can bury our dreams. And the first thing I think we saw it depicted in the movie, we bury them because hoping can hurt too much. We bury our dreams because hoping hurts. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Usually when you see the word shall, it's like a promise. So there's a promise, but then it's followed by an if. So you're like, what? So we have to pay attention. 
So the Bible, if, if we shall reap if we do not lose heart, why is not losing heart while you're hoping so important? It's because when you lose heart, your life follows your heart and it usually takes you off track of the path the promise was on. So then you'll never receive the promise because you're completely off track of the path that it was on. That's why it's so, we have to be careful to guard our hearts and not lose heart. And people miss out on the promise of God because they failed the test of time. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. It's almost like you could just go like hashtag the heartache of hope. Like it's a thing, it's a thing. But I'll tell you what more heartache would come is if you didn't hold on to hope and you settled for second best or you didn't wait out for God's perfect plan. The heartache of that would be so much greater. God's plans, hoping for God's plans are so much more than what we have planned and they are worth waiting for. God's plans are worth waiting for and I pray that we can surrender our heartache of hope to God today and allow him to bring joy and peace as we wait in confidence and full expectation that he will do what he said he will do, amen? But I, I, I know that holding on to hope can hurt. I remember I, ha I had my two boys, they're about to turn 11 and 12, Hudson and Holton, and they were 12 months and two days apart. And I just remember I was so happy to have two little boys. Like They are just, God knew what he was doing. And, uh, but I desperately wanted a little girl. I wanted a baby girl. It was a dream I had in my heart. And when I closed my eyes, I could see our family picture. I could see it. And so I prayed for years for a baby girl. And since the, my boys could speak, they were also praying. Every night, my boys prayed, and they prayed like this. They're like, dear God, we pray for a baby Bella. Baby Bella. And the interpretation in English is baby Bella, which was they knew a friend of mine who had a little baby girl named Bella, and they were obsessed with baby Bella. And so every night for years, they prayed for a baby Bella. And, and I... And as, as, and then when I fell pregnant, I, this worry came over me. What, what if I don't have a girl? How am I going to handle the disappointment? And how am I going to tell these two precious boys that have been pay, praying for a baby Boa for three years? How, how am I going to do this? So I found myself, when I finally fell pregnant, I was downplaying my dreams. I was downplaying my desires. I found myself telling people, oh, whatever we have, it'll be great. Oh, I'll be fine if we have three boys. It'll be cute. Yeah, it'll be cute, like the Heinrichs boys. Yeah, that'll be fun. And it would have been cute, and it would have been fun, and it would have been fine. But I actually had a dream in my heart. And so I started pushing down my dream because I didn't want to feel disappointment. But that is exactly what the enemy wants us to do, to be dreamless, to be hopeless, to be visionless, to have no faith for anything. That's exactly what the enemy wants. You know, at the same time where I'm pushing down my dream and pushing down my desire and just hoping, hoping, um, John was pro proclaiming from the pulpit that we were having a baby girl before we had our ultrasound, because that's how much faith he has. Like, oh, ye of little faith. Like, I'm like, you can't do that. You don't even know. He's like, I know. I know. I'm like, okay, well, all right. So, so, so for the first two boys, we, 
had the doctor put it in an envelope and we went home and we got the whole family around and we had the video camera and we all found out together what we had and we all celebrated on camera together. But when it came down to our third and last baby, because I was, I was fearful of disappointment, I said, we can't do that. And because I don't, I don't know what my face is gonna do. Like my reaction will do. And, and I know some of you are thinking like, well, shouldn't you just be grateful for a healthy baby? Yes, I am. But I, ha- I wanted a baby girl. And so, so I said, I can't do that um, with this one. So we had the doctor put it in an envelope. I didn't even want to find out in the doctor's office. Just put it in an envelope. And then you and I will go have lunch together and, and we'll open the card together. And so I wouldn't even let him open the card right away. So we sat at... at lunch for a while, and he's like, are we gonna open this? And I'm just feeling so sick and so anxious and trying to go, and I literally was saying like, if it's a boy, it's okay, it's a boy, it's okay. And um, you know, when, when John finally opened the card and he said, it's a girl, like I burst into tears. I, I started sobbing, like sobbing, making noise in the restaurant. I had my head in my face and my body was shaking and I could not stop and it just kept going. I could not stop crying. And eventually John kind of made his way over to my side of the booth with his arm around me and I, and I thought for a second, I'm like, oh dear God, everyone in here probably just thinks he broke up with the pregnant lady. Like, because why is she crying so much? You know, it was, uh But what I realized was how, and I could not stop sobbing because I had suppressed my emotion. I had suppressed my desire. I had suppressed my dream for so long and tried to convince myself that I didn't want it. When I actually had it, I couldn't even handle the emotions that came with it. You know, some of you may think that's a silly little example, but, and it may be little to you, but it's not little to me. Like this was my family. This was the rest of my life. This is what I saw when I closed my eyes. You know, and, and everything really is actually little to God, but that doesn't mean that it's not a big deal to him. It's a big deal to him, no matter how little it is to you. So some of us bury our dreams because hoping can hurt too much. But I want to tell you today that God really wants to reignite that dream in your hearts and, and that you would just surrender trust to him and wait with full expectation and confidence and allow him while you wait to restore your peace and joy. The Bible says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So have we buried our dreams because it hurts so much? The second reason why I think people can bury their dreams is because of the negative words spoken over their lives. The, oh, that'll never happen. You're never gonna accomplish that. You'd never get that girl. Who do you think you are? You're not gonna get that raise, that promotion. You're never gonna own a home in San Diego. You're not good enough. You're never gonna amount to anything. And then those negative words that were spoken over us now live within us. And once what were negative words on the outside, outside have become our confession and the conclusion of our lives. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Don't let negative words from mere men trump the words spoken by the one who created men who says all things are possible to him who believes. God's word always trumps those negative words. 
And I remember something even as silly as this, and I thought about it this morning as I arrived at church. My, my dad was so sweet, and he loved all of us kids. And so from the time I could understand the English language, he would tell me, Becky, you're going to grow up to be my secretary, and you're going to get married, and you're going to have two kids, and you're going to spend every Christmas with us. I heard that probably 200 times in my childhood. Becky, when you grow up, you're going to be my secretary, and which basically meant I would never move away. So, he, so out of a, a, a statement of love and, and, and affection, he, he meant no harm in that. But I actually, when I thought back about it, I never once said what I would ever want to be when I grew up. I never allowed myself to dream because I was going to be my dad's secretary. Never thought about it for a second. Never thought about college. Never had a dream in my heart. Because that's what I was supposed to do. Because those words had been spoken over me and ingrained in me. And it wasn't until my high school year, my senior year, midway through, where I all of a sudden realized every single one of my friends had already taken all those SAT tests and pre-SATS tests and all these things. They had sent off their applications. And most of them were already accepted into college that were far away. And I'm like... You're all leaving? Like everyone's leaving? Every single one of my friends was going to college. And I realized I have never even thought about college. And now I'm behind because it's too late. Everyone's already applied and been accepted and colleges are full. full. I, I, I realized I never allowed myself to dream. I never, because of those, what could be very simple words spoken over me. We have to be careful. We don't let the words spoken over us shape our lives. The third reason I think we can bury our dreams is because someone with an authority said something about us. A doctor's report, a negative report. The doctor said the words terminal or cancer. But we have to remember that we serve the name that is above every name. The name above cancer, the name above tumors, the name above disease and infirmity, the name above deafness, the name above arthritis, the name above high blood pressure. We serve the name of Jesus and every other name has to bow, including all of those. Don't bury our dreams of living a healthy, fruitful, flourishing life because there's been words spoken over you by someone in authority. There's a higher authority, and his name is Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we can also bury our dreams because we're worried we would fail if we tried. And so we pretend we actually don't want the dream because we're too afraid to fail. So we pretend we don't care. Oh, we pretend we don't really want that or this but we actually really drew. We've buried those dreams because we're too afraid to fail. I think failure is on the way to success is a certainty. It's a certainty. And Pastor Paul DeYoung was with our staff meeting and he shared this example about when a, a child finally full, pulls themselves up for the first time and their little legs are wobbly, and they take that first step, and they let go, and then they hit the floor. And we all cheer, and we applaud, and we're so excited! They just fell down! Woo! So it's like, we actually are cheering and applauding because that precious baby just took a big step of faith and did something they never could do before. And when we're little, we cheer and applaud them, but when we get older, then we label you a failure. Well, you know what? You actually just stepped out to do something in faith that you've never done before. So I say you didn't fail. You actually succeeded because you're learning and you're growing. We need to create environments where we can fail and it's okay. And I think we should just kind of remove that word. You didn't fail. You're growing and you're learning. 
And we have to create that environment for ourselves, gives ourselves permission to fail and give other people permission to fail. And if we don't, we will stifle every environment of faith where faith needs to be applied. People will never step out in faith if they're too fear fearful that they're gonna fail or be called a failure. So there's so many reasons why people bury their dreams. But God is wanting to know this morning, are you willing to allow him to raise that thing back to life, bring it back to life so you can dream again? And give him time, give him time to do his thing, to bring that dream to pass, amen? amen. The second thing I wanna pull from this movie on a, having a life that doesn't quite add up that people find odd, doesn't make sense, is number two, be specific with your prayers and what you prophesy. Be specific with your prayers and what you prophesy. In this movie, we saw that clip where they dreamed for one more night and they wrote down specifically everything that they wanted their child to be. Funny like Uncle Bob, honest to a fault, Picasso with a pencil. And then they were saying, well, you were a terrible soccer player. I was clumsy. So how about just once, just once, he gets to score the winning goal on the soccer team. And sure enough, he was terrible at soccer. And sure enough, he scored the winning goal, but it just so happened he scored the winning goal for the other team. And the parents were like, we should have been more specific. <laughs> we need to be specific with our prayers and what we're prophesying. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. Matthew 20, 30 through 34. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. I think Jesus is asking us today, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? In this case, it was quite obvious what their need was, but he still asked, what do you want me to do for you? And until they said, we wanna receive our sight, that is when they received their miracle. If you truly believed you would receive for whatever you asked, what would you be asking for? If you truly believed whatever you prayed for you, that you asked for, you would receive, what would you be asking for? And I'm gonna shorten our story because I've, I've said it many times, but it's so fitting for this part of the message, being uh, specific with your prayers and prophesying because um, a year ago, April, John and I moved in to our, uh, our dream home, our, our God's recovering everything that we had lost home. Because it had been eight years since we had lost everything. Uh, 13 properties, our own home, and $300,000 in our bank account. We had $200 left in our bank account. And that was eight years ago. And during that time, I remember, it's a whole nother miracle story, but how we got a beautiful miracle rental home during this season. And I remember my girlfriend from college came over and she's like, 
how is it that you have the nicest house on the street? How is it that you just lost everything, you have no money, and you have the nicest house on the street, the new rental? And I'm like, she's like, that is just odd. And I'm like, no, it's God, actually. Those are the things, like that's the life we live, the mark we carry, the mark of heaven. But during, we knew that God was asking us to step out that year eight, the year of recovery, which in the Bible means resurrection and new beginnings. And so we began to believe for our, our Ephesians 3.20 house, the immeasurably more than all we could ever hope for or imagine house. And we were specific and we asked. And shortly after that, when we walked into this home, we knew this was the home because we had been specific with our ask. And so we, we told, we were gonna, we're gonna get our finances or we're submitting an offer. Don't sell the house, we're, we wanna buy it. And sure enough, it went under contract with someone else and it was taken off the market. But there was a part, we didn't lose faith. We actually knew that this was our house. So what we did every single day, we prayed every single day that that home would be our home. And we prophesied every day that the the escrow would be canceled in Jesus' name every single day. Three weeks in, the moving truck is at this house. The owners are leaving. It's one week before it belongs to someone else. And we continued to pray. I wrote a letter, drove it over, hand-delivered it to the owners so they would know who we were if something ever happened with the house falling out of escrow. And we just prayed. We prayed for the next week. And sure enough, Sure enough, we get a phone call and the agent says the contract has been canceled and it fell out of escrow and the homeowners do not want to sell the home to anybody else but you. We prayed the contract would be canceled. We prophesied that the home would be ours and we were specific. And that was the first miracle we had to work with God on. And then the second one was the loan because the pre-qualification loan is like, it never means anything. We were 150 grand short. So when they actually realized we couldn't afford this home, which is another miracle we needed, that that they dropped us. They said, we're not gonna fund you. And now we're scrambling to get another loan. And no one would loan us any money because of our history, because we were 150 grand short, and we had all these obstacles to come against, but we were praying and we were prophesying. And then we finally got a loan. We're like, yay! And they're like, it's 6% interest. And I'm like, ah, it was terrible. Who wants to pay 6% interest? I'm like, no, not happening. So I told John, I'm gonna pray specifically. I'm praying for under 4%. And he, he's in the real estate market and he goes, babe, under 4% does not even exist. I'm like, yeah, it does in heaven. <laughs> For once, I had more faith than John, so I had to like rub it in his face. For once. So I started praying, under 4%, under 4%. And sure enough, we get a call. 3.625 came out of nowhere. Literally. We are prophesying and we are declaring, we are declaring things that do not exist as though they do. We prophesied the interest rate when it did not exist and it manifested into the natural. We declared the house was ours when it was belonging to someone else. We prayed specifically and we prophesied. And I'm telling you though, we had to work really hard along the way. And I wanna emphasize the word work really hard along the way because I wanna be a good pastor. I don't wanna mislead you to think that all you have to do is pray and believe and sit in your prayer closet. You you actually have to put your hand to the plow. The Bible says faith without works is dead. And I've been, I'm just going to clean up some pastoral care conversations for some of you leaders. So you're welcome in advance. I like coffee and wine. So, so, so 
I've been hearing more and more, so I want to bring this out. It's not just one or two. It's the, it's the multitudes here, people. So it's people who think they can just pray and prophesy and believe and not work and sit in their room in their prayer closet and just believe that God's going to do everything, that God's going to do their part and his part. God never wants, God, God always wants to partner with us. He needs us to do our part, and then he comes through with the miracle. A lot of things we're believing for are not miracles, or just stuff you could get done if you actually got off your tush. So, so let God do the miracle part. You have to do all the other stuff. God never promotes laziness, never. He never does. I want to set you free because so many people are thinking God failed him or he, he forsook them or he didn't come through or my dream didn't come to pass. But God's like, you could have done it yourself. You didn't do anything. You didn't do your part. So I just, I just needed to say that. Does everyone, is everyone okay? All right. All right. Okay. Some things are easier to take care, take care of when the mass is. Okay. So the third thing that we can do to live a life that kind of has the mark of heaven, it, that it doesn't make sense to everybody. Number three, never stop dreaming. And I know I talked about dreaming a lot in the first point, but to never stop dreaming. In this movie, each leaf on Timothy's legs represented a specific dream his parents said he would have. So every time one of those dreams were fulfilled, he lost a leaf. And so I want to show the third movie clip, guys, if you're ready. We didn't know what. But Timothy knew. He stayed calm. He knew. And he was okay with it. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful. What aren't you telling us? We should get inside. Get inside. I didn't tell you before because there's nothing you could have done. About my leaves? You about them. Please, please tell us. When my leaves go... You go too, don't you? When? Now. No, no. Sweetie, you can't. It's nothing you did. It's how it's supposed to be. There's only so much time. Oh, when the kids grow up and move away, I lose my leaves and move on. Oh, sweetie, you can't. There is so much that we have left We're to do. We're just starting to get good at this. You're ready. You were always ready. Oh, babe. Sweetie. Never give up. Timothy. 
When my leaves go, I go. When my dreams go, I go. I think there's a part of us that really dies when we stop dreaming. We should never stop dreaming. Like, I never want us to be the kind of people that say, oh, I, I, guess, I guess this is it. I guess this is good as it gets. I guess the best days are behind us. I think when we stop dreaming, we get stuck, we get comfortable, we get complacent, we get uninspired, we lack passion, we lack zeal, we lack life. And in this movie, you'll see there is a happier ending, so feel free to watch it. They are given a new dream, and it's really beautiful. But the Bible says that without a vision, the people perish in Proverbs 29, 18. So think about that. Without a vision, without a dream, the people perish. And I think we can stop really living before we actually perish because we stop dreaming. No matter what season you're in, no matter what season, what age, or what stage, you have not yet arrived. God has more. God has more for you. And I know I've said this verse a few different times this morning, but I do want to read it again, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is, it, that is, it, is it work within us. I don't want you to miss out on the more of God because you settle and you think there is no more. There is always more in God. And, and, the, and the beautiful thing about more is there's always more. Because when you arrive at this dream, more is still beyond that. There's always more. You get here and there's always more. So there is always more in God for you. There is always more in God. So I just pray and I, and I hope that I have encouraged you to keep believing, to keep dreaming, to keep praying and prophesying and to never give up, to never stop believing that God has so much more for you. It's the immeasurably more. Again, no matter what season, stage or age you are, God still has something. He wants to put a new dream in your heart, a new dream in your heart to bring you life, to bring you joy. You know, one thing John and I always do when we go out on date nights, the first 15 minutes, we usually talk about church and work, which we love our life and we love church and work, but we're like, ah, stop talking about work. We have to like, we oh, every date night, we have to go, okay, no more. And then we like, we're not talking about that anymore. And then we shift our focus to our marriage, to our family, to our kids, to our future, to the dreams we have. And we always, how we always end our date nights is we, we start dreaming together. Like, where do we wanna go next? Like, what do we wanna do? Where do we wanna take the kids? Like, what do you think our kids are gonna be like when they grow up? What do you think they're gonna be? What do you think our next house is gonna look like? What are we gonna do with this one? Like, we're just, we're just talking and we're dreaming about the future. And I can assure you, when we're dreaming and when we're envisioning and when we're hoping for the future, we never leave with a sad expression on our face. It's like we come to life when we start dreaming. Remember the first scene where they, they're sad and they're downcast and, and one more night, they're gonna dream for one more night and her frown, like funny, funny like Uncle Bob. And then they start getting so excited and there's so much life and there's so much joy. There's something about dreaming in God and He never wants His kids to start dreaming. Stop dreaming. Never stop dreaming. Amen? Amen.
Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 